This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. When someone decides to build a home, they must first carefully make plans and then correctly set the cornerstone and foundation, or else the entire structure will be compromised. So it is with the house of God. Please stay with us for our message, God's House. Have you ever wondered, where does God live? And if I wanted to meet God, how could I do so? In the scriptures, one of the images of the church of Jesus Christ is that each individual believer is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But it also speaks in the passage shared from First Peter that all of us as believers in Jesus Christ are joined together as living stones made up into a temple for the living God to dwell and be worshipped. As we explore this theme this morning, I pray that we would embrace the truth that we are essential to one another and that God is glorified among us. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you are willing to leave the glory of heaven and come make each house, each heart, your holy temple, a palace for the king. But Lord, thank you that each one of us, being knit together as believers, become a dwelling place for the Almighty God to reside with glory. Fill us again with your Holy Spirit and give us fresh insights into the scriptures as your holy word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Today I'm sharing from 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 4. Coming to him, that is Jesus, as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, 
the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone. Dear friends in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. If you were going to build a house, what's the first thing you would need? What is the first thing that a contractor or a carpenter would ask for if you hired him to build you a house? He'd ask for a blueprint, for drawings of how the house is to be laid out and the architectural design for the house. If you were going to build that house on the western coast of Southern California, there's another thing you'd need. You'd need for the blueprint and the plans for the construction integrity to include earthquake design requirements so that it would not be shaken even if an earthquake or some adversity came upon it. Well, when the scripture speaks about the church of Jesus Christ, like the words of an old hymn, it says, Jesus is the foundation built on a rock the church will stand even when kingdoms are falling. So the clear truth of First Peter 2 is that Jesus is the foundation of the church of Jesus Christ, the church being a temple, God's house, and we as individual believers are living stones in that temple. But Jesus must be the cornerstone. What's the purpose of a cornerstone? It's the first stone set in a masonry foundation, and it determines the alignment of the entire structure. So in our individual lives as people of faith, and certainly in the church, the temple of God, Jesus Christ must have first priority and first place in everything we do. And every aspect of a believer's individual life and every aspect of a church as a collection of believers as living stones must orient itself to Jesus Christ. So we trust Jesus as the cornerstone of our lives, and of our life together in the church. Jesus's ethos, his ethic, his behavior, patterns, his character, his heart, his passion, must be the church's template for our life together. We not only model the temple of God after Jesus' character, but we maybe more accurately conform all aspects of the church's life together to the heart of Jesus Christ. I also want you to realize that if we say that Jesus is the cornerstone, there is no neutral response to Jesus. It says not to believe means that Jesus becomes what the Greek word names as the scandalon. We use the word scandal to describe a publicly immoral and humiliating behavior or event. So when someone encounters Jesus or the offer of 
Jesus's grace and love, but rejects Jesus, it's a scandal. We trip over the stone. We fall over that precious truth and reject something essential for the construction of all of life and our life shared. Conversely, when we accept Jesus, all of life falls into alignment to that central, precious confession. We need to understand that God is the builder of his temple. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain, the word says. So God builds us collectively into his temple, God's house, the place where God lives and dwells, the place where his glory is revealed. We are living stones connected together gathered together in order to invite that God's presence would be manifested among us. And therefore, we as living stones are interconnected and essential to one another. The unity of God is a gift, but our interconnected essential dependence is part of his plan. That flies in the face of rugged American individualism, where we thump our chests and think, I don't need anybody else in my life. In the church, we openly say, I need you, I depend upon you, and you need me. When I was in college, in the summers, I worked construction for Cylinder Iowa Lumberyard. And I was assigned on several occasions to work with a mason contractor in building house foundations from cement blocks. I remember him to this day yelling out as I mixed the mortar for the building of those blocks together to be laid. He'd yell out, more mud, bring me more mud. And in five-gallon buckets, I would carry mud to where he was laying the block. What is the mortar that holds the living stones of the church in God's temple together? First, I'd say, in our imperfect brokenness as sinners, we are united in the need for Jesus' grace and forgiveness. Secondly, we're bound together by a common faith and a common love for Jesus. It says in 1 Corinthians, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. We're also joined together by the peace of God that the Spirit pours into us, a supernatural peace. We're also joined in a common hope as we consider the present, but also looking into the future, the hope we hold is based on the promises that Jesus Christ has made. And we believe that our future destiny is inseparably linked to the Lord Jesus Christ. We hold that hope and we hope for eternal life. But ultimately, we're united in our common commitment to Christ 
and to one another. Have you ever watched a stonemason build a fireplace with different configurations of stones? How carefully that builder selects each stone to fit together just right, constructing it into a chimney. It's almost an art form. Well, God is the builder of the house, and each of us are individually diverse in our gifts and talents and personalities, yet God knows how to connect us with one another in a cohesive interdependence that adds strength to the structure of the temple of God. You have an essential role to what God is building in the church of God. Your unique talents and abilities, your passion, your faith, your love is called forth by God's Spirit to connect with others. Well, there's also threats to that unity and cohesion. I've stood along a street and seen a huge crane with a heavy, heavy wrecking ball swinging, smashing down to demolish an old building. What is the wrecking ball threats to the church as the temple of God? One that comes to mind is unresolved conflict where different individuals in arrogant pride refuse to listen to one another, and that conflict just stands like adversarial animosity and refuses to resolve. The second threat to unity is withheld forgiveness. It simmers under the surface as a grudge, as a feeling of malice wishing ill to another, the wrath that can be explosive. And that withheld forgiveness can pull apart the structural integrity of the church as the temple of God. The third thing I think of is unfaithfulness to the word of God. If we begin to depart from the wisdom and the revealed will of God in the Word, if we begin to depart from the promises that God has made to us, uh, the revelation of who God is as we read it in the Word of God, we begin to chase rabbit paths to rabbit holes that will pull us apart from the central confession of the Word as truth. And if we compromise the message of the Gospel itself, that a broken, rebellious world that God created was now separated from the God who made us, so that God in his love sent his only begotten Son to die on a cross for us, be raised from the dead, so that we could be reconciled to him into a relationship of shared life and love. If we compromise the gospel, then the structural cohesion of the church as a living temple is going to get smashed. Another threat to the unity of God's house is immorality among the members or the leaders. We're connected to one another. We may live in a culture and society that says, oh, live and let live. Whatever that person does, it's up to him. No harm, no foul. 
but in the body of Christ, in the temple of God. If my behavior begins to distract or disrupt others, it's not okay. The cohesiveness of God's temple begins to be compromised. That's why if immorality is in God's house, then the elephant in the room must be named. It must be dealt with. The last threat to the unity of God's house is an ambivalence to the mission that God has given us to do, to reach out to all people to share his love. The glory of any house is not so much the architectural or structural look of the house as it is the personality who lives there. Ever driven by the house of a famous person? Maybe it's a pro athlete. I remember driving by the house of John Wayne. Elvis still has his Graceland. If you wanted to go to the White House in Washington, D.C., do you think that you would be granted access to see the president today? No, the access to that house is very limited, even though the president lives there. Well, the glory of God's house, the temple of God, is that there's continual access to the very presence of God because of Jesus Christ. You're welcome there. You're invited in. And you are to bask in the love of all those who praise God there. Everyone's welcome. The glory of every church is not the building where they meet. The glory of the church is God's presence in that place where two or three are gathered. And so the infinity of God does not need a place built with brick and mortar but we invite God's presence among us each time we worship. His Shekinah glory fills the temple. God's desire is to live among us and with us and within us. You ever heard the phrase as people worship, God's in the house today. Our desire is to encounter the living God in our worship, and in our life together, so that God can do his mission among us and through us. Finally, I want to say that the temple of God, building us into living stones, joined together in interdependence, shifts in the New Testament so that we become the temple of God. People come to the temple to encounter God. But now the New Testament would suggest that each of us are living stones and are the temple where God dwells. So everywhere you go, believer in Jesus Christ, you bring with you the presence of God. Everywhere you go, the Shekinah glory of Jesus Christ's love radiates from your life. And you can pray that God would use you to be that place where other people encounter God. What a glory to think that God himself wishes to not only use our lives to be his dwelling place, Emmanuel, 
God with us. But he uses our lives built together in interdependence to dwell and reveal his glory to the world. The early church said, Behold how they love one another. May God be glorified among you as his people in your life as an individual believer, but as you come together with other people who love and confess Jesus as Lord. May he use you together for his glory and build his kingdom. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we reaffirm again today that you are the foundation of our lives. Our lives derive strength from you. Bind us together with all other people of faith. Dwell within us in a way that shows the world your glory and grace. Use our lives to honor your name always. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been worshiping with the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has encouraged you, as a child of God, to set yourself as a living stone in the temple of God's dwelling place. As a nonprofit ministry, Christian Crusaders depends on the generosity of its listeners to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Please consider, if you are able to do so, a gift to help us in this mission. Some listeners have joined our GEM, or Gift Every Month Club. They make a regular monthly gift of any amount. If you'd like to become a GEM Club member, please call us at 1-888-MY-FAITH or 1-888-693-2484. Gifts of any amount may be directed to Christian Crusaders. Post Office Box 522 Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. All gifts are tax-deductible. Christian Crusaders is dedicated to changing our world with the life-changing message of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. As part of that mission, we earnestly desire your prayers for this ministry and urge you to share your concerns with us so we may lift you up in prayer as well. You can find a prayer request form on our website under the Is This For Me link. All concerns are kept confidential. Or call us toll-free at 1-888-MY-FAITH or 1-888-693-2484. You can also write us at Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. We are pleased you were able to worship with us, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Today's program has been led by our associate speaker, Rev. Lee Lavig, pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Spencer, Iowa. Christian Crusaders has been broadcasting biblical truth continuously for the past 81 years.